This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Good morning. It's Wednesday, March the 1st, 2023. Welcome to Now with Dave Brown coming to you on AMI-tv. I'm Dave Brown. Let's hit the horns and go. Coming up on the show today, some technology talk. Envision has released some new additions of their smart glass. Housing and Mortgage Corporation has created some guidelines for accessibility standards and universal design in multi-unit homes. Elizabeth Moeller and I will chat about some of those implications and a few of the things that jumped out to us from those guidelines. The show begins with the top story of the day, something a little bit different than usual, but I know it applies to you if you're a public transit user. A public transit researcher is expressing concerns about how cities are cutting back service. Karen Rebo has more. Willem Klumphauer, a postdoctoral fellow at the University of Toronto, says while cities like Montreal and Halifax are reducing bus routes to save money or deal with staff shortages, these decisions actually contribute to what he calls a death spiral. He says when routes are cut and transit is less frequent or convenient, ridership declines. He explains that with then fewer paid fares, cities lose income and are inclined to further reduce routes. Klumphauer says this same cycle is affecting transit labor too because as operators leave the job remaining staff are asked to work more hours karen rebo the canadian press i'm sure as you listen to their that report you think to yourself surprise surprise make public transit worse and people will use less public transit but there's something that's so true about that that so oftentimes when there's a cut to public transit it's to say oh we're building efficiencies here but efficiencies don't get people from point a to point z any faster There should be investment in public transit, not cutbacks. There should be more routes, not less routes. You want to increase ridership? Make it easier to ride. Switching over to the economy, reflecting on the gross domestic product numbers that came out yesterday. The StatsCan data showed the Canadian economic activity was flat in the fourth quarter. TD Director of Economics, James Orlando, says there are still some strong underlying numbers. So I realized that overall the this um, the headline print looks really bad, but when you pull back the lens, you know, open up the hood, whatever you want to call it, um, some of the underlying fundamentals are are still coming in um, quite good for the Canadian economy. Orlando elaborates further on those underlying numbers. Strip out the huge, huge swing in inventories. Right, which was a massive drag on on the overall number. Um, and you look at what happened in, for example, the real engine of the Canadian economy, which is spending of the Canadian consumer. And that's still clocked in at a very strong 2%. The Conference Board of Canada also released some data forecasting year of slower flat growth. Chief Economist Pedro Antunes says there are still some factors to consider with the slowdown. I would say in most cases, these are small R recessions. Um, what we're seeing today is essentially the economy hitting the wall, mostly because we don't have the workers to meet that demand. So we're supply constrained. 
Antunes also notes that consumer spending will naturally slow with the higher cost of living. The story around the consumer is the same across the board. I think we're all feeling the pinch of higher rates, and uh, you know we are seeing consumer spending easing. In their forecast, the Conference Board of Canada predicts that Newfoundland and Labrador will see the most economic growth of any province this year. And don't worry, I will have some details about the budgets in Alberta and British Columbia in the regional news in about one hour's time. Got to quite a bit of detail out of British Columbia, a few more out of Alberta and an interesting homelessness plan in Manitoba. So regional news comes your way in about an hour with a bit more of a focus on the economy and surprise, surprise, there will also be some healthcare stories. But for now, Let's get to the daily polls at Accessible Media is where you find the show on Twitter. At Accessible Media Inc. is where you vote on the polls on Facebook. On Tuesday, we will we asked you, mobile devices issued by the federal government can no longer access TikTok. Does that kind of ban influence what you might do on your own device? 43% of you said yes, and 57% of you said no. Today's daily poll at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. Today is the RRSP deadline for the 2022 tax year. Here's a question that I think I know the answer to, but I am curious to give you the opportunity to sound off. Are you finding it difficult to save money? And explain why in the comments, whether it's the comment section on Facebook or replying to the tweet on Twitter or possibly retweeting with comments to really get your circle going. So it's a simple question. It's a yes or no, but obviously when you get into the why, things can change for individuals. And before we jump off into this conversation, there is a meme that goes around that says, you cannot personally finance your way out of an unjust economic system. Perhaps that sounds a little bit radical, but there is something to that. Of course, it's going to be difficult to save money when housing is too expensive, when wages are too low, when the cost of living is generally too high and you're not being rewarded as a worker or if you are on some kind of government assistance or a disability assistance. In those cases, you're not even reaching the poverty line with the money that's being given to you by the government. So it does imply that yes, it's going to be difficult to save money. But I am curious if you are finding it difficult to save money and I want honest and genuine answers here. I don't want you just blaming politicians in the comments section because everybody saves money in their own different ways. And one of the pieces of advice that I would give you when possible when you can is automatic savings withdrawals. And that's why the RRSP can be a really effective vehicle for automatic withdrawal. Sometimes your employer might have a plan or your bank will have a plan that says every single paycheck automatically gets some money lobbed off the top and it's a bit easier to put it into the bank. So I will say with privilege in setting up this question that I am not necessarily having an extreme difficulty in saving money, but I note my privilege. I've got a very steady full-time job. I did not acquire much debt through my education. I lived with my family till I was 24, 25 years old. There's a lot of things that impacted my life that put me into a better situation. People who can't live with their family or have to move to go to school in cities like Toronto or Vancouver or Calgary or Montreal or take your pick are now paying $2,000 a month for a one-bedroom apartment and not even that nice a one-bedroom apartment at that. How are you supposed to save money when the economic conditions make it too difficult for you to save money? So even as I say, no, it is, I'm not finding it difficult to save money, I want you to understand that I'm saying this with privilege and it's okay to be honest about your privilege. Alex Smythe, what about you? Are you finding it difficult to save money? 
Well, currently, no, Dave, but, uh, you know, to uh, open, pull back the curtain, and I've talked about this a number of times, like, I, I moved back home at the start of the pandemic. Before that, I was living in Toronto on my own, and I had uh, an apartment. It was, you know, it was nice, but it was expensive. I really wasn't saving much when I was living on my own, paying most a lot of my paycheck, much more than I would have liked to have spent on rent and, and then on food and all these other uh, necessities. So it ended up being very difficult for me to save when I was on my own. Now that I'm back home, you know, I'm not having to, to pay rent, I can save now, but it basically took changing my entire uh, living situation in order to allow me to be able to save money and save effectively. And I'm, I'm putting a, an aggressive approach to saving. I'm basically saving every nickel and dime that I can so that you know, I'm I'm putting myself into a good financial situation that I can afford to one day purchase a place and then also have a retirement savings plan in place that I'm not wondering come, you know, 30 years from now, oh no, what am I going to do? How am I going to retire? I'm setting myself up for future success, but not everyone, as you mentioned, has that opportunity, has that luxury to be able to not have to worry about paying rent that you can stay with family or friends that you you can live in an affordable situation now that's obviously very indicative of toronto when i was uh, living in edmonton when i first joined ami it was a different story rent was far more affordable things were far cheaper so i was able to save uh well over there but you know when living in toronto it was very difficult so now that i'm living at home in burlington yeah i, I can save but it, it took an entire move back home, giving up an apartment to be able to say that. Yeah, there's also different vehicles and different methods that people can use. So for example, mm -hmm. I mentioned the automatic withdrawal. Again, I'm very fortunate and very lucky that I'm in a position where I don't mind a certain amount of my paycheck being lobbed off before I even see it, before it even hits my bank account, it's already gone, right? But again, I wanna keep hammering home privilege, privilege, privilege. There are a lot of people who don't have the opportunity to say, yeah, lob two or 3% off my earnings every paycheck and put that into, put that into an RRSP, but there are different vehicles and different opportunities here. We've talked about the registered disability savings program in the show, maybe, maybe not even as much as we should, but the RDSP does offer certain bonds and grants that mm -hmm. are accessible to any person with a disability, regardless of their regardless of their financial situation. Even if they are on a form of government support, they are able to access some of these bonds or some of these grants in terms of contributing to a retirement savings plan. So part of this boils down to financial literacy. Again, I'm going to reemphasize, you can't use personal finance to get yourself out of an unjust economic system, but you certainly can try and take advantage of the tools that are available. But again, if you aren't giving people the resources they need, you're not giving them the financial literacy they need to start accessing these things, it makes it even more difficult to save money. But even then, there's, there's different ways in which you might think about saving money. An RRSP is one thing, an RDSP is one thing, a TFSA mm -hmm. is one thing, Saving for a home is one thing. Even something like saving for a vacation is something, right? There's there's different ways in which people save money and different goals they're saving for. So again, when I frame the question around the RRSP deadline, people might think of that strictly as a retirement conversation, but it's not. It's about all the different ways in which you might try and save money in different accounts. Absolutely. And I think it was uh, really good to highlight you know, there is the RDSP, there are the disability savings bonds, and there's other vehicles out there. The key is to 
talk to people and, and experts who are familiar with it. Because when I first kind of came across those, my financial advisor, the people I worked with on, on my saving plans and stuff, they weren't aware of it. So no they had clue. to do research. Yeah, no clue at all in a lot of cases. Exactly. And so you don't know what you don't know. So uh, the more that you can uh, kind of look into that and see, oh, would I actually qualify for that? There can potentially be quite a bit of money available to someone living with a disability who would qualify for these programs that can really set you up for a long-term financial success. But it, it, it takes a bit of research and, and information and knowledge on your part and then working with someone who is an expert in finances to really develop a strategy, develop a plan, figure out how you can really tap in and utilize those types of resources because they're out there you just need to know how you can get them. Yeah, you, you know what we should do as, as I continue my practice of producing the show on the fly, there are some uh, specialists who work yeah. in the RDSP field. We should, uh, after the RRSP deadline, get them onto the show here and uh, talk a little bit about that, just to give people a reminder of the resource that's available to them here, uh, whether they have no income at all or whether they're even at a high income scenario as well. Alex, we gotta get out of here. But uh, yep. you don't go, don't go too far. Don't stray too far because you're going to offer up the National Weather Report in just a moment. But just a reminder before Alex does that, you can vote on the polls at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook, or at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media on Twitter. Feedback at AMI.ca is the email address. Feedback at AMI.ca is the email address. Or 1-866-509-4545 is the phone number. That's one. 866-509-4545. Let's go back to Alex. Alex has the national weather updates. Here is your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. We're going to start off in St. John's, Newfoundland today, where it is mainly cloudy with a chance of snow. The highest minus 8, feeling like minus 20 with that wind chill. In Halifax, Nova Scotia, there's light snow off and on today with up to two centimeters of snow expected to fall. The high is zero, but feeling closer to minus 12 with that wind chill. In Montreal, Quebec, it is mainly sunny, but there are clouds rolling in later. The high is two degrees, feeling like minus nine with that wind chill. In Ottawa, Ontario, it's a mix of sun and clouds today. The high is plus one, but again, feeling a bit cooler with that wind chill at minus 14. Here in Toronto, Ontario, it's cloudy with a chance of snow or rain this afternoon. The high is three degrees, but it's gonna be more like minus seven with the wind chill. In Thunder Bay, Ontario, it is clouds rolling in in the morning of the day, becoming a mix of sun and clouds. And there is also a chance of snow late morning and early afternoon, so watch out for that. The high is five degrees, but feeling like minus 14. In Winnipeg, Manitoba, where it's a mix of sun and clouds today, the high is minus 12, but with that wind chill, it's quite bitter at minus 29. In Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, very similar conditions, a mix of sun and clouds, the high is minus 10, and that wind chill makes it feel like minus 28. In Calgary, Alberta, it's cloudy with a chance of snow this morning, but it is going to clear up in the afternoon. The high is minus 1, but that wind chill makes it feel like minus 18. In Edmonton, Alberta, there's light snow in the morning, but then also clearing up in the afternoon. Minus five is the high, minus 19 with that wind chill. Up to Yellowknife, Northwest Territories, where it's mainly cloudy 
and there is a chance of snow in the morning. There's also wind gusts up to 50 kilometers per hour today. The high is minus 13, but feeling like minus 33. Over to Vancouver, BC, where it's cloudy with a chance of showers in the afternoon, and three degrees is the high for Vancouver. Finally, in Victoria, BC, it's uh, similar conditions, clouds rolling in in the morning with a chance of showers in the late afternoon, and the high is six degrees in Victoria. And that's your AMI National Weather Report for Environment Canada. Thank you very much, Alex. Coming up next, we dive into the world of technology. Envision has a couple new editions of their smart glasses. Karthik Cannon will tell you all about them. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Technology company Envision is expanding their range of smart glasses with a couple of new additions out this year. Here to tell you all about them is Kartik Cannon. Kartik is the co-founder and chief technology officer of Envision and joins the show from the Netherlands. Kartik, thank you for making time to be with us today. We're grateful. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you so much for having me as well, Dave. Uh, always a pleasure to be back on AMI. Yeah, Kartik, you mentioned that you've had some time here on AMI before because we've uh, spoken about the Envision glasses a couple of times. And as we started that conversation years and years ago, the market price has gotten more and more crowded. So as a reminder, what is it that sets Envision out from what is becoming a very crowded marketplace? Sure. So um, Envision is basically smart glasses that help people who are blind and visually impaired to live more independently using artificial intelligence. Now, quite simply, it's basically a pair of glasses that has a camera on them, has a speaker on it, and it uses AI to take pictures of things around you, and it extracts information from those pictures and then speaks it out to you. So, for example, you could be looking at a piece of text, or you could be looking at a face of a friend or a family member, and the glasses takes pictures and then speaks it out back to you. Uh, and, uh, you know, it does it in, in real time. It does it uh, in over 90 different languages, uh, and you can pretty much use it to also recognize currency, detect color, and so on. I think what really sets apart Envision from the other smart glasses that are out there for blind and visually impaired people is Envision glasses don't just run Envision software on it. We've also partnered with a bunch of apps uh, that people have come to love and you know use quite heavily on their smartphones, and we have brought them also onto the Envision Glasses platform. For example, Envision Glasses also contains Ira. So if you buy a pair of Envision Glasses, you can go ahead and use uh, Ira completely hands-free uh, as well. Uh, apart from Ira, we've also partnered with the Cash Reader app, uh, which recognizes currency, so that's also available to you to use. And uh, we have some of the most exciting partnerships to announce this year as well. So we are also partnering with other companies. Uh, you know, think of any popular app that you use on your smartphone today uh, to be able to call people or to be able to recognize things. And they're all going to be coming on the Envision glasses, including navigation apps uh, later this year. So it is a platform. It not only has uh, the glasses don't just have Envision software, it also is capable of running other applications that people use. And we'll continue to keep working on it, making the Envision glasses the platform for people with uh, blind and visually impaired uh, folks who want to use technology. 
as you say, the technology grows and grows and grows as you and your colleagues continue to work on them. What What is going to uh, get rolled out this year with a couple of new editions of the glasses? How are they evolving? Sure. So we have always focused on trying to make the glasses as accessible a tool as possible. And, uh, you know, what we did, uh, like, mid last year was we lowered the price of the Envision glasses as well, right? So it was earlier retailing at 3,500 USD. We brought it down to 2,499 USD. So we kind of have been working a lot with our partners to try and make the glasses a more accessible product for everybody. And the additions are a step in that direction. So we have got two new editions of the glasses, uh, which, and, and we, in total, we have three editions. Uh, so one, we have the read edition of the Envision glasses, which basically offers just the read features of the glasses alone. So if you're looking to, if you're a little budget conscious, or if you're trying to get these glasses reimbursed uh, by some, you know, uh, reimbursement scheme, you could go ahead and maybe opt for the read edition. And if you're, you know, because that only contains uh, the instant text feature, the scan text feature, and the bad scan feature. So all all the features with regards to reading text is there with the read edition. And at any point in time, you can go ahead and just do a simple software upgrade uh, to the home edition, which is the edition that has all of the the different, um, you know, which has all of the different features of the glasses, including the read features. And lastly, we've also launched the professional edition and the professional edition offers you all of the same features of the home edition of the Envision glasses, but one, you basically get an extended warranty. So you get two years of warranty as against one year of warranty. And you also get an additional pair of uh, lenses or, or frames as well. So uh, we the glasses ship with one specific type of frame. Uh, what we have also done is, you know, we've gone ahead and added another type of frame, which is to, you know, with which you can add prescription lenses. And that goes along with the professional edition of the glasses as well. So these are the two different editions that we have launched. So now in total, we have the read edition, which has only the read features, the home edition, which is the which is the default Envision glasses, which contains all of the features of the Envision glasses, including the read edition uh, features as well. And then we have the professional edition, which has which comes with extended warranty, and it also contains uh, a different frame uh, as well. Right. So these are the three editions, and uh, all of them have the same hardware. So uh, if you any point in time, if people want to upgrade uh, from the read to the home edition, the professional edition, it's just a matter of buying a software upgrade. That's it. For so often, using some of this scan and picture technology that combines artificial intelligence, sometimes struggled with things beyond plain text. As your research continues and your development continues, how are glasses like the Envision glasses dealing with things like music, emojis, math? How is, how is that playing into the evolution of the glasses? You know, uh, that's a really good question because one of the things that we are working on right now uh, as an update to the Envision glasses is for it to be able to recognize mathematical notations, you know, so because we noticed, for example, a lot of students who use the Envision glasses in the Envision app, they try to read textbooks that contain equations. And most often than not, uh, almost any app that you see out there don't really do well with uh, mathematical notations, right? So we are actually working on an update to recognize and interpret these mathematical notations. Uh, 
a little bit into the future, we also want to be able to add alt text to mathematical graphs, right? So that's also mm. a, a very interesting area of research where uh, we're looking to, you know, given a graph, can the AI actually go ahead and explain that graph or add some alt text to that graph? Because again, if you're reading uh, a math textbook that's not properly uh, built for accessibility, then oftentimes when you encounter uh, uh, you know, a graph, it doesn't tend to work out uh, the way or you don't get to really understand what's going on with it, right? So that's another, that's one thing that we're working on. With regards to music, that's also another a very interesting area of research. What we're trying to do is we're trying for, we're, we're teaching the glasses or the AI on the glasses to also be able to recognize musical notation. Because again, there are a lot of people uh, who are musicians, uh, who are blind and visually impaired, who would like to go ahead and uh, be able to easily read musical notes. So that's another update that we're working on. So in many of these areas that you mentioned, there's a lot of research that's going on within Envision. And hopefully in the coming year, uh, we'll be able to roll all of them out onto the glasses in the app as updates for people to use. Yeah, as somebody who's legally blind myself, it would have been really nice when I was trying to learn to play trombone if I could have actually read the uh, music sheets in front of me uh, beyond sort of struggling with the trombone in, an, in and of itself. Uh, Karthik, you mentioned some of the partnerships that you and your colleagues are trying to build with other companies. Why is that so important to make sure that you're building those partnerships and building strong partnerships all across the world and all across the technology? space well simply because you know uh together all of us can go very far and uh you know like they say like there's this quote right you know you when you walk alone there's only that much distance that you can go but if you walk together you can go really far and that's honestly the reason why we partnering we are partnering with these different companies because with what we realize is that this ecosystem is quite small you know the the assistive technology space is quite small and uh, there are a few companies that are doing some really innovative work in that space. You know, there are companies like Envision, there are companies like Ira, and there are a few more companies, you know, there's Be My Eyes, and all of them are trying to do something really innovative. And I think when all of us work together, one, it really helps the consumer because uh, someone like people don't have to buy like five different devices to be able to use uh, the different apps uh, that they want to that they that they like and they use on their phones, right? So they can just buy one platform, and that will go ahead and uh, you know make it easy for the consumer to be able to just use that one device, learn that one device, and then use it for all the different apps they want to use. Secondly, I think for a lot of companies, uh, you know, it really helps them to have another line of distribution apart from just the smartphones, uh, that smartphone apps that they're building, right? So again, uh, the Envision Glasses is a product that's very new, that's very much loved by the community. And when these companies also come on board, uh, you know, our smart glasses, they go ahead and benefit from also being able to reach customers through this very new type of device apart from the existing smartphone. So mm. it's a win-win when we go ahead and do these partnerships because it helps both the customers like in the case of Ira, uh, a lot of customers felt that they would have loved to go ahead and, you know, they were very disappointed when I, when Ira discontinued their smart glasses. So for the longest time, they've been looking for, you know, smart glasses that can support Ira. And, uh, you know, when we decided to partner with Ira and bring them onto the Envision glasses, customers were really happy. And on the other hand, Ira didn't have to really go ahead and do a lot of work on their side in order to get the glasses, in order to get their app onto the glasses. You know, we did a lot of heavy lift, heavy lifting for them, Ooh. and they didn't have to again invest in building a new smart glasses platform uh, from scratch. They could just make use of our existing platform. So 
it's a win for both customers and companies when everybody just works together and and does uh, and, and does these partnerships. Kartik, I'm someone who's been following the evolution of smart glasses for a while now. As someone who's legally blind, I, I can really see the value and benefit in the way that it could improve my life. And I, I started this this interview, this segment with the premise that, that the market is developing and it's developing rapidly, but it really feels like you and your colleagues have been a step ahead for a while now. But as you look to the future, where do you hope to see assistive technology like smart glasses going in the future? So the way I see it is, uh, you know, AI and assistive technology smart glasses are going to be very much hand in hand. Um, and from that perspective, I see the hardware on these smart glasses uh, being equipped with more sensors that will help AI make a more accurate, uh, you know, get a more accurate picture of the environment. For example, uh, I definitely think uh, a lot of these glasses that might come in the future might have a LiDAR sensor on them. Uh, just like how, you know, some of these new iPhones come with a LiDAR sensor, uh, these glasses might also have LiDAR sensors in the future, which will enable us, uh, which will enable companies like Envision that are building AI tools to be able to do something like autonomous walking uh, or, you know, like navigation in a more, uh, you know, accurate way. Uh, so that's one one trend that I see. So be more sensors coming onto these glasses. Um, and secondly, I think they're going to get more powerful. Uh, this is a very general, I would say, insight or observation because that's what's that's what's been happening with smart uh, smartphones. But when it happens with smart glasses, it basically means that we can run more powerful AI entirely on device on these glasses and that's great for privacy that's great because you know you can have more real-time applications uh, and you can also go ahead and uh, you know uh, do more offline uh, without having to use the cloud so there is less latency or there's less you know lag when the AI is trying to do something in real time right so I think these are the two key trends that I see happening in the industry um, and uh, obviously the third you know thing that is going to happen or that is already happening is smart glasses are going to go ahead and get uh, more compact, more sleek. Uh, they're going to, you know, they started off as really bulky devices five or six years ago when Envision first started looking at them. Uh, and today, you know, we've gotten it to the point where it looks almost like a regular pair of glasses. And I'm hopefully in the next three to four years, uh, we'll see companies uh, building glasses that look almost indistinguishable from your regular pair of glasses, but are capable of doing so much more. And that's when the future will get truly, truly exciting. Functional and fashionable. I love it. Karthik, where should people go to learn more about some of the exciting developments around Envision? The best place to go to is our website. Uh, you can go to letsenvision.com. That's L-E-T-S-E-N-V-I-S-I-O-N.com. Uh, you know, any people from anywhere in the world can go ahead and request a free demo of the Envision glasses uh, and uh, we'll be more than happy to go ahead and give you a demo. If you prefer to have an in-person demo in Canada, we've partnered with CNIB and we can put you in touch with them uh, or you can also do a virtual demo uh, if you're doing it online. So, you know, anything is okay with us, uh, but you can go to our website, letsenvision.com and you'll have more information there about the glasses, the editions and everything else that Envision's been up to. So. That's the place. Kartik, thank you for making time for us today. Thank you to you and your colleagues for all the work you're doing. Let's stay in touch and uh, connect again down the road as some of these new partnerships get announced.
For sure, for sure. I definitely see myself coming back uh, again because there's just so much stuff brewing, uh, you know, in the lab here at Envision. So uh, hopefully I'll see you again too, Dave. Thank you for having me. Excellent. All the best. That's Kartik Cannon, co-founder and chief technology officer at Envision. And again, you can learn more about those glasses at letsenvision.com. Letsenvision.com. Envision spelt with an E. They also have an app which is available to download for free on iOS and Android. Coming up next, Clover Thursday, we'll discuss accessibility for graphic novels and art on ebook readers and other e-devices. But first, here is Canadian press reporter Karen Rebo with your morning business minutes. North American stock markets edged lower in a choppy day of trading yesterday to close off the month. Toronto's TSX index fell 38 points to 20,221. New York's Dow Jones average dropped 232 points and the Nasdaq gave back 11. In Tokyo this morning, the Nikkei index gained 70 points. Hong Kong's Hang Seng index surged 833 points or 4.2 percent. After two surveys released today showed factory activity in China rebounding in February. Our dollar is trading overseas this morning at 73.47 cents U.S. Academics say the federal government's ban on using TikTok on its phones should make companies think twice about their own data privacy policies. University of Ottawa law professor Vivek Krishnamurti says companies should undertake a risk assessment to uncover how exposed they might be to the Chinese-owned video sharing app and what the data collected from it might be used for. From the Canadian Press this Desk. I'm Karen Rebo. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI TV. Ebooks and digital readers, they're nothing new, but the technology is getting better, and with that, you're getting more content on those devices. The diversity of content has improved. Things like graphic novels, comic books, and magazines have all made that jump into the digital space. Here to talk about their experience diving into the digital world of content is columnist Clover Thursday. Hey, Clover, how's it going? I'm doing great, Dave. How are you doing? I'm doing well. So, Clover, you've been discovering a new way to enjoy graphic novels and magazines. How did you shift into this uh, digital space? Oh gosh, I guess like it's along like some of my own like sort of, you know, vision journey and like my, uh, you know, with my partial sight, um, I found that I was not able to enjoy graphic novels as often and kind of when I wanted to, um, you know, when I was, you know, using sort of things like, you know, a CCTV or other like assisted devices. It's a little bit more like, okay, I'm sitting at home and I have to like, you know, be reading that, but then just sort of, biting the bullet, I guess, in a sense, as funny as that sounds. And like, just diving into the idea of like, oh, wow, like I could, I could get, you know, some of my favorite zines or graphic novels, virtually, digitally, it just sort of streamlined the whole process. So what is it that is existing now as you've bitten that bullet that's making the experience better? What are the tools that you're using to get into these spaces? Or is it something embedded inside the digital tools that you're just able to get your hands on? 
honestly, it's, it kind of depends on the device, but like I personally have like sort of an Android tablet and I've used like I, iPads as well, but it's just like even just how things are built in, you know, things are brighter, you know, you can adjust contrast and kind of suit it to your needs so you can, you know, actually have, you know, a closer look and a closer read at those things. On-screen zoom is like really super helpful for me just to be able to experience things um, again with the um, portability and everything. So that's sort of where at least in my perspective that's where i'm coming from there yeah I, I i'm with you clover the ability to use zoom on some of these technologies is huge but also to give you the freedom of when and how you want to zoom i've noticed for example on some apps you zoom into something and as soon as you uh take your finger off of the pinch it goes back to its regular zoom how are you supposed to read a graphic novel or a comic book if every time i take my finger off to actually read the screen uh, the thing shrinks back to its regular size oh yeah absolutely and that's what i'm finding so great about sort of that movement to technology it's like you know there's these in these in-house apps or even just pdfs and the applications are getting more sophisticated where they're not you're not fighting with them, which is yeah. great. <laughs> uh, so Clover, in, in terms of, of not just the technology itself, but, but one of the manifestations is that it seems like with improving technology, more of these, uh, what I'm gonna call alternative forms of content or art are becoming more available. How, how, would you, how would you describe the way that the variety of stuff has improved across these devices? Oh, I can go on and on about that. <laughs> but it's the idea of like, it's become so easily accessible. Like you, if you enjoy like buying your books and like having them forever, you know, there's so many um, online platforms where you can purchase things. You know, the big A is one of them, but there's also these other databases you can access through. Um, I, I love the idea of like the resurgent of the web comic from like way back in the mid 2000s. Like that's still going really strong with a lot of really legit platforms like Taptastic and Webtoons and things where you can, you know, read graphic novels and comics that way in a, like a browser-based setting, but also like a big one that I think a lot of people overlook that public libraries have like really invested in their sort of ebooks and their e-libraries. And that includes graphic novels as well as they're becoming more like available in those digital formats. So that's something really exciting for if you you know want to even like try and you know see how it feels reading um you know an e-graphic novel we'll say um you know without making that purchase or just kind of experimenting and seeing like what you want to read so i'm always a big a big lover of libraries so i'm super glad that yeah they're making that initiative this show generally is big supporter of public libraries big time <laughs> big big supporters of the public libraries so that that's sort of the the versatility in how you can get your hands on this stuff what about the versatility of digital content itself how malleable is digital the digital space for visual content oh it is it is almost head spinning how malleable and adaptable and quick and um, reactive the digital space is. Um, one example I can just think of at the top of my head is how, you know, stories and content as, you know, changes medium so quickly. Um, even one recent graphic novel I was reading, um, The Adventure Zone, that was sort of my big, big step into <laughs> to graphic novels, um, like um, ebook wise. Um, it, it started off as a podcast. 
and you know it adapted into a graphic novel and physical and virtual formatting so it was it's very interesting to see that happen and even on a much smaller scale there's so many indie makers and zine pub self publications that are you know making these physical zines and just digitizing them and you know um you know disseminating them you know through their own stores or through their own sort of like small applications like gumroad and things like that so it's really exciting to see you know people take advantage of how adaptable and how um versatile sort of digital the digital space is <laughs> clover you are an artist professionally and an artist recreationally you you run both sides of these things <laughs> how how is this foray into consuming more digital content especially things like the magazines or like graphic novels how is this foray for you as a consumer potentially going to impact you as a creator it's 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 definitely going it just it's already had such a big influence on me because i think if anything that gets me really excited because to me it uh, presents a new opportunity to get my content and tell my stories and you know share my work with more and more people because it's it's nice to be able to you know halfway across the world someone can get um a, a digital copy of, you know, a story I wrote or illustrated, um, you know, right then and there. So I think it's like a very exciting time for me as an artist to experiment with this medium and hopefully just to be able to make make more comics and stories that people can have access to. And, and, That's what and, and, and what if you turned the lens looking outwards to other people in the artistic community? How would you like to see artists and illustrators make better use of the digital medium? How I'd like to see them make better use of the digital medium is I think when, you know, sort of funny enough, I guess ebooks and what aren't like new technology, but the ease of how you can get involved with it um, is gotten easier. Mm. Um, so I think like, you know, you can take those dives into more self-publishing again, like things like the big A Amazon. Um, it's, <laughs> you can, as I like to call it, um, you know, you can actually, you know, sell you know sell your works uh, ebooks things in a, a much easier fashion on there you know just through applications and stuff um uh having those alternative formats in your like etsy shops and whatnot um so people can actually like get to that content and you can have that kind of control over it in that way um so i think it it also presents a really exciting opportunity um for artists to have another tool in their toolkit of getting their messages out there so you know don't fear the, the ebook or the PDF, like experiment with those formats. And I think, you know, more interesting things can come out of it. Who knows? Maybe we, the idea of, I always think would be cool. The idea of like embedding like sound files in yeah. sort of these sort of digital formats as well. And really it's using it to enhance the experience. Oh, a little multimedia talk with Clover Thursday. I love it. Hey Clover, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know we kept you a little bit longer today. So thank you for, uh, for oh, making the time. No worries. It's always a pleasure to be on here. That's Clover Thursday, community artist and columnist on Now with Dave Brown, joining the show from Hamilton, Ontario. Looking a little bit further west than Hamilton, want to remind you that on March 17th in the Calgary area, there is going to be a very special AMI event, and you have the opportunity to be part of the televised studio audience. 
AMIs by Hook or by Cook is going to be filming two episodes in Calgary on Friday, March the 17th, and you are invited to participate. So what do you get? If you're part of this show, well, you get a picture on the red carpet. That's good for the gram or for the TikTok or for the Tumblr, wherever you may post your pictures. There's also refreshments. Gotta have refreshments at a big event. There's a meet and greet with Bruce and other cast members. There's also a meet and greet with me because I'm going to be hosting this show. Plus a gift bag valued at $75. I don't even know if I get a gift bag, but uh, that's a nice little extra incentive. So I'm going to be hosting these two episodes. So you should join in on the fun Friday, March the 17th. For more information and to reserve your spot, send an email. Info at AMI.ca. Info at AMI.ca. So that's not the feedback at AMI.ca. It's info at AMI.ca. Maybe put by hook or by cook in the title. That way uh, they know precisely what you're emailing about. But if you are going to be in the Calgary area on March the 17th, you absolutely have to come check out this event. Coming up next, Alex Smythe and I will discuss some issues about academic affordability in Canada, especially in the context of the U.S. Supreme Court considering Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness program. But first, in today's Tech Trends, Mike Dubusky is taking you on board modern yachts to look at their gadgets. When you think boat controls, you may picture sails or one of those big wooden steering wheels, but on the deck of this Pardo 43, the controls share more in common with an old-school video game. If you want to move the boat sideways, you hold that joystick, just like the old Pac-Man game. If you wanted Pac-Man to go to the right, you move the joystick to the right. Forrest Anderson helps sell boats like this one at Staten Island Yachts, and joysticks are just the start. The Pardo also has a built-in gyroscope. He says it's intended to counteract the motion of the waves steadying the ship. It's essentially a built-in Dramamine pill, if you will. <laughs> a self-docking system is also included, similar to the self-parking tech in some cars, but all those features will cost you. To kind of get into the Pardo line, you're just under a million bucks. With Tech Trends, I'm Mike Dubusky, ABC News. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. The U.S. Supreme Court heard arguments yesterday about President Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. The plan would eliminate up to $20,000 of student debt per person. 26 million people have applied for the relief and 16 million people have been approved. But the policy itself has not. Sagar McGanny recaps the proceedings. Lower courts have blocked the plan, estimated to cost $400 billion over 30 years. The high court's conservatives appear skeptical of the administration's right to use the COVID-19 emergency to broadly cancel debt. From Chief Justice John Roberts, who several times mentioned the program's cost. Half a trillion dollars. To Justice Brett Kavanaugh, suggesting the administration simply bypassed Congress's refusal to authorize the program by creating a massive new one. And that seems uh, problematic. The president's only hope for moving forward with the plan appears to be the slim chance that the court rules the individuals and states challenging the program do not have the legal right to sue. Sagar Magani, Washington. And there were protesters outside the court in Washington sharing their perspective. Graduate student Mikeisha Wells explains her concerns with the amount of debt students are accumulating. 
It can take between 10 and 25 years to pay off your student debts, and I think that's a substantial amount of time in my life, so I'm really nervous about it. Rashid Jordan says that people without economic people without economic resources and adequate financial literacy have a very difficult time with the cost of education. I wasn't like taught about financial literacy and uh, financial planning for college, so I experienced the struggles firsthand. Of course, that's an American story, but the issue of academic affordability exists in Canada as well. Alex Smythe is here with a couple of thoughts on this one. Alex, no need to dive too deep into the conversation going on in the United States right now, but again, just more evidence that uh, their democracy, not necessarily the most functional in the world. But when it comes to academic affordability in Canada, it, it it's not the same context as the U.S., but there are still lots of anecdotal stories you hear about people graduating from university with 50, 60, 70, 80,000 dollars of debt because it's frankly just not that cheap to pursue a post-secondary education in Canada but it's still extremely necessary especially considering where the population is at with post-secondary education. Uh, yeah Dave absolutely and um, this was something that I found very interesting uh, when I heard about it is Canada has the highest percentage in the world of developed uh, uh, countries of adults with some form of post-secondary education. So that whether that's a, a college diploma, a university degree, some sort of accreditation that comes after high school. Mm -hmm. We lead the world with 56% of our adult population obtaining some sort of post-secondary uh, certificate. So we are in the, the toughest market that over half of our adult population has to go to school in, or have gone to school in some way, shape or form, had to pay for higher education and have had to deal with the financial issues of not only paying for that, but if there's debt involved, dealing with the debt of having to go to post-secondary school. Yeah, and not every province is the same. Some are, mm -hmm. are different than others. Some programs are different than others. But but the reality is that just because maybe there's an affordable province out there or a province that's more affordable out there, like Quebec, for example, uh, tends to offer quite a bit of economic support to keep tuition costs and student costs a little bit lower, you're still talking about five to $10,000 a year in terms of of your tuition and student fees, let alone books, accommodation, food, you know, like, like I could run down the list, we'd be yeah. here forever. But, but the fact is, even the most affordable provinces are still tremendously expensive. And even though there are things available like bursaries and scholarships, we just talked about some of the scholarships offered to uh, students who are from the blind and low vision community from the Alliance for the Equality of Blind Canadians earlier this week, uh, blindcanadians.ca to learn more about that one, or the AMI scholarship, which we're going to start talking about a little bit over over the course of the next couple of uh, days on this show, offering again opportunities for scholarships for students from the blind and low vision community across Canada. The fact is, like, there's only so many bursaries, there's only so many scholarships. And at the end of the day, it puts a real difficult financial burden on people, an undue financial burden. But but a lot of people will justify that in saying, well, you know, I had to carry a burden when I was younger. I had to carry student loans when I was younger. So you should have to, too. What's your reaction to that argument that people make? Yeah, I think it's a bit ridiculous. Like you're certainly seeing that a lot in the States, but it, it's it's also very relevant here, too, in, in the States at the context of forgetting, uh, forgiving debts and loans. But there's always this element that, oh, well, I had to suffer. And it's 
brought me to where I am today. So that somehow that that financial hardship, that uh, you know, the stress of uh, schooling or 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 the financial burden you have to carry is somehow good in molding and shaping you for the future. I I think it's ridiculous. I think it's nonsense. <laughs> it's a a real bizarre argument or take to have. I I think it's to help justify the position you've had to go through and the suffering you had to deal with. So I I think you know. It's a terrible stance to take. I think if we can improve the opportunities, the access to education, the affordability of education for people going forward, like that's something we should jump at the opportunity to to have. And, you know, I think it's phenomenal overall that we are the highest educated or most educated uh, country in the world in terms of representation of uh, post-secondary programs. But that also has a, a bit of a ripple effect that, the competition for employment is going to be far harder mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you you have a more qualified uh, a pool of candidates that are going for those same positions. So you're going to really have to set yourself apart. Maybe it's even investing into more education yes. to set yourself yes. apart. So you kind of feed into that cycle. So making it more affordable, making it that the opportunity that if this is what you want to pursue, then you have the ability to do it without having to take on tens of thousands of dollars worth of debt that you would carry with you for years, if not decades, going forward. Yeah, the landscape has changed so much as well that when we're, again, you you did this, you did a really nice job of identifying this off the top, saying that this is, in post-secondary education, both college diplomas as well as university degrees. We're at this point where the economic landscape is much, much different. If you want to work in blue-collar trades now, it's pretty much a necessity that you're getting some kind of college training. You can't just walk onto the job site anymore and get and get work. Like maybe there's some exceptions here that we could quibble with, but for the most part, you can't work in a skilled trade without some kind of certification, and that's oftentimes a two to three year college degree to do so. So, so this is not just a situation where we're looking at oh, it's just people doing uh, theater studies or creative arts. Not not that I'm judging you types, liberal arts degree over here. Um, <laughs> uh, like like. It's not just people talking about these uh, forgivenesses in industries where they think, oh, that's an intangible or an abstract non-money-making degree. The fact is we're talking about every single place in the economy are now requiring these kinds of qualifications. So it's one of these things where we're saying, oh, you know, I suffered in the 1970s, so you can suffer too. The fact is there's just not a pathway. There are becoming fewer pathways for people to actually enter the job market and get a job with the possibility of making a decent income and advancing and growing in their career without going to post-secondary school. So we need to be very cognizant of, number one, affordability on the front end, but also the possibility of forgiving debt on the back end absolutely and and going forward how our 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 job market our job landscape is going to be shaped by the fact that we have such a a highly educated uh a workforce and you know we have to view our positions and stances on on what we considered for a long time lower skilled jobs we still need uh, people to be in certain roles but you know, we, we have to change our viewpoints or, or our opinions on, oh, well, you know, if you're working in this job or in this role, you know, you're you're seen as lesser or, or yeah. looked down yeah. upon. You know, it's like these are vital services that need to be filled. And we're seeing this with job shortages, with the low unemployment rates in, in what we've been dealing with the last few years, that there are sectors that need support, that need people in them. 
but we've always kind of had this mantra or this viewpoint that oh well these are lesser jobs or whatever you should go to university you should go to uh, and it's recently changed to oh college is also a viable option no college is a great option i i went yeah, to college it's, it's an incredible department. option yeah exactly and it's like and so i think that viewpoint in that that worldview is changing it's just taking time and i i think if we accelerate it for the weather in a couple of minutes coming up after the break i've got the regional news update a lot of budget news out of bc and alberta brock richardson stops by for uh more nhl trade deadline talk the trades have just kept coming in and coming in and coming in it's been non-stop and then alex has the national weather update as well this is now with dave brown on ami tv Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.